You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. But it, it fits in perfectly after I think uh, um, no matter what's happened in the world, and we can see throughout the last week, um, people are just waiting with anticipation and bated breath and fear almost about how uh, our court's going to decide certain things. And as I, as I look at that, I, and, and, and Cassie said that she leaned over me today and she said to me, no matter what happened, Mark, he's still on the throne. And I opened up my book and I, I showed her what I had written down. And I, and I said, you're right. I said, so I just want people to, to realize no matter what happens in our life, God is in heaven Jesus is on the throne. The Holy Spirit is alive and well on earth and inside of us. The word is true. Prayer still works. Not one thing has changed from heaven. God's still open for business. So if we want to dwell on things that we perceive as negative happening in life, and maybe for some here you think it's positive, that's fine. That's, I'm not here to talk about that. But I'm just saying if you feel like things have been negative the last little bit in your life, God has not changed. Jesus has not changed. He's still the same man, the Holy Spirit, is still the same person resonating, living on the inside of you. Dwell on that. Focus on that. So whatever you're dealing with today as you come into church today, because we all deal with something, focus on the rock. Stand on the rock. Focus on those things. God is in the business of changing situations. He's in the business of changing circumstances. The word of God reigns true all the time. Focus on God's word Focus on what has happened to you on the inside. Focus on that. God lives on the inside of you if you're a believer right now. Allow that to resonate in your life. So what's transpired in your life when you accepted Christ? What has happened to you? I've had that question asked many a time to me over the course of the last 12 years. Man, what's happened to you? And when I first became a Christian, I was like, I don't know, went to church. Uh-huh. And then as I, as I grow in Christ, as I read more about what the Word says, I have more answers for Him. And as I was looking through Scripture uh, about different things, it's just tons of Scriptures about things that have happened to us because of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The first Scripture I'm going to start with is John 17, 3. And it says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. God has been sent to earth in the form of man, right? Jesus. Resurrected. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside us. So God is still here on earth with us today, on the inside. So by accepting Christ and having a relationship with him, you're living out your eternal life right now. And I think I've mentioned that a hundred times before from this, this pulpit. Just don't wait around until you die. Heaven's going to be great. I can't wait to get there. But I can wait to get there. Does that make sense? We have a whole life to live down here, and eternal life is today. If you don't know Jesus and you're living just out of your own means and out of your own thoughts, you have eternal life here today. I think it's more like hell on earth. So you can choose today what you live, heaven on earth. You can live hell on earth. And then in the end, you get to live with Jesus in heaven and God in heaven or separated from him forever. I think some people here think that the only reason why they want to go to heaven is so they can be reunited with their loved ones. That's great. But that's not the purpose, the sole purpose. The sole purpose is to go, you get to go meet Jesus. 
Think about that. You get to heaven, and then you see some loved ones, and they're like, hey, it's been a while. And you're like, dude, it's Jesus. I am focusing on Jesus. And so if you, if you have this interpretation of heaven that God's not going to be there, and it's just going to be a bunch of people you know, you're missing out. So get your focus on God here on earth. Get your focus on God as you go to heaven. That's what's going to happen to us. It's going to be awesome. And so my challenge for you today is to, to ask yourself the question, what happened to you? So you can answer the question for yourself, and you can answer the question for other people. Because something happened to you when you accepted Christ. Tons of things happened to you. Says whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, you are in the midst and living out your eternal life right now. And how many people notice a change in you after salvation? There's probably some here who could raise your hands and you go home to your family, your friends, you go back to college or you go to work and they're like, man, what happened to you? What happened to you? And they don't know. They, 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 they're, they're unsure of what, what's going on in your life. Maybe there's still people today that you've known for 15, 20 years that they're still figuring out, trying to figure out, what happened to him? What happened to Pastor Jim? What happened to Cassie? They're still, and, and they, they, they try to understand it with their brain, and they don't try to understand it with their born-again spirit. So, so when, they, when, they, when those people who maybe aren't Christians get a revelation of who they are in Christ and, and, and become a Christian, then they can come up to you and go, ah, I get it now. It's kind of like the Word of God. When you, when you read the Word of God as a, as a, as a non-believer or a new believer, it doesn't, doesn't resonate until you, you become that believer and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, and then it just pops out. The same old scriptures aren't the same old scriptures anymore. They're life. They're awesome. So the biggest question I asked of me when I became a Christian was like, what happened to you? And I said, I don't know. I just went to church, man. I got born again. I got saved. Those things are like really out there for people in my family who grew up in a denominational religion. I never heard, didn't like those, to hear those things. But I'm like, I don't know what else to tell you right now. I'm new. This is what happened to me. I've had a change. Well, something happened to me. So, so maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and it seems like a struggle most of the time. Is there anybody here like that? Maybe you believe that just coming to church is good enough for you. Maybe you don't see anything you would call great in your life. God's got a plan for everybody. He sees greatness in you all the time. No matter what you're dealing with, he sees greatness. And maybe, you, maybe you're the person here today that's doing really well, and it's all on your own strength. There's people like that too. And you're just, you're, just, you're just moving along like, I don't need God, I don't need God, because look at how great my life is going on. I'm here to tell you there'll become a time in your life and you're going to need him. So might as well start today in a relationship with him. And perhaps you don't realize or know what has happened to you. Maybe you're just a new Christian. Maybe you're here today and you've never been to church before. I did a Bible study with a couple guys three weeks ago, and two of them said, and they came to church here, they said, I had never been to church before, both in their 30s. And they were just blown away. And they were here the next couple days. I went to Bible study with them, and they were just like, wow, that was awesome. Never been to church before. So there's people in your life that don't, know what's happened to you because they've never even had an experience with God. They've never even been to church. And so once you, they see you living out your life, once you invite them here, you reel them into your church, show them some love, give them some worship, give them a word. Man, I tell you what, it can change people's lives. So kingdom of living, to me, is what we're talking about. What happened to me? I was transported into the kingdom of God. I know what it says in, in, in the book of John. It says, in this world you'll have trials, you'll have tribulations. I know what it says that. But it says at the end, I, I came 
and I overcame the world. That's Jesus talking right at you. I overcame the world. And so he didn't come to allow you to be stuck in a pit. He came to pull you out of a pit. And so when you're pulled out of the pit, sometimes we like to jump back in the pit. He's still with you. You know, if you go a certain level below the ground into a pit, he's just like, eh, you've got to get back up here with me before, I can, before I'm going to love you again. That's not true. Jesus came to bring heaven to earth. He came to plant the kingdom of heaven into each and every person. Isn't that amazing? The greatest scripture to me is still the one that's probably read more than any other one. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Scripture never gets old. It's a foundation. It's, to me, it's like if you look at, a, at a, a family tree and it just starts and it starts to bloom with branches, it's like that John 3, 16, 3, 17 is that foundation for me. When I realize that, that God sent his son for me because he loved me and not to condemn me, it's amazing. That's what it says in verse 18. He says, if whoever believes in him, you will not be condemned. And I wrote right next to that. If you don't believe in him, you're condemning yourself. I don't think God's in the business of condemning anybody. People try to tell me, well, why would a loving God send people to hell? And I'm like, God's never sent anybody to hell. We have a choice to choose between heaven or hell. Today, eternal life on earth, a relationship with God, and later down the road. So at salvation, I'm going to read some things you might know. You've been set free. You were saved from death. These are things that, that have happened to you. You were saved from yourself. That's a good thing, right? I, I praise God for that every day. You were transported from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Many good things have happened to you through, through, through your relationship with Christ. You know what? Here's the thing. And many more things will manifest in your life through your relationship with Christ. Just give him a chance. Just ask him, what else you got for me today, God? And he's like, oh, you're ready for it? So you say, you careful what you pray for, or careful what you ask for, because he'll give it to you. And he'll give you good stuff. Great question, but other than what happened to me is, who happened to me? Another great question is, whose am I? Who do you belong to? Do you belong to your spouse? Do you belong to your parents? Do you belong to your job? I would say, no, no, no. You belong to God. That's who you belong to. You're sons and daughters of God. And if you believe the only thing you're saved from because of your relationship with Christ is eternity and hell, I think you're mistaken. There's more to it than that. That's part of it. That's a big part. But there's so much more that we get to enjoy and experience today through the Word of God because of our relationship with Christ. That to me is eternal life. That to me is heaven on earth. God has always had the same plan for mankind, and that's to have a relationship with Him. Was it not what He created Adam for and Eve? And He and here's the thing is when you look in Genesis three, it's amazing to me in Genesis three, where where Father God is heading towards His to Adam and Eve. He's gonna go. He's gonna go. Hang out with them in the cool of the night, right? But right before that, they commit sin. And so he shows up there and he's like, what's going on? What'd you do? And it was that point there that they were, they were separated from God. It was, they were separated from God right there. And, and so this whole time throughout history until Jesus came, we've been struggling with that, being separated from God. And then Jesus shows up and he says, here's your chance to get back in right relationship with God. And he's given us that chance. 
So we see in a few lines that the, the, the sin, this original sin separated from, from God, and we see down the road because of our relationship with Christ how that separation is closed, and we're no longer separated from God. Your behavior, your actions after your relationship with Christ isn't separating you from God. You're still in relationship with them. You can try to push yourself away from God all you want, and he's there for you because he chose you. He chose you. He chose you. He chose each and every one of them. That's part of that predestined plan that he chose each and every one of us and we have the opportunity to choose his plan for us. Everyone has that opportunity to have that plan. And so you're not separated from God after your salvation despite your sin because we all sin. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone blows it. So if, if we were being rated on a meter and we said only the people can come through this door today at Praise Community Church are the ones who haven't sinned. Who would be here? And sin is just not always big sins like we talk about. Gossip. You know, we get together and we just talk about people. That's, that's classified. That's right up there with everyone else. They're all the same. And so Father God isn't counting his sins against you right now on earth. He's, he wants you to have that relationship with him. And the more that you give yourself to him and the more you find out what God's word says about yourself, the less and less you're going to do these things. You're going to find yourself going to the same old people where you've been gossiping forever and just go, this is ridiculous. You're either not going to show up there anymore because you're going to have a check in your spirit or you're going to show up there and tell these people, why don't we talk about something else? Why don't we talk about how awesome we are and how great those people are that we seem to be gossiping about? That's a hard part. I think that's one of the things that we, we, we don't understand maybe sometimes as Christians that we try to label these sins as these massive sins. Like at least, like what that, the scripture that Jeff talked about I think a couple weeks ago, at least I'm not like that guy. You know, I got it fairly good. I'm batting 200 here. That guy's batting zero, you know. There's a great story in Joshua 23. And it's, it's the truth. And, it, and, and it's, it, Joshua is talking to these guys and he's, he's telling them. And he says this in verse 23, or in chapter 23 of Joshua, verse 6. Don't deviate from God. Don't go right or left, he says to them. Then he says in verse 8, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God. He says cling. I think you've heard me talk about that word cling up here before. He says cling to God as you have done this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. So he's reminding these people what God had did for him. He said, you know what? Because you're cling to God and you, and you chose him, he's, dr- he's driven out your enemies. He's driven out your problems here today. That's what he's saying. If you look forward to the cross, he's saying at the cross... I took all those problems away from you. I gave you the opportunity to come clean, he says. So this is what Joshua is telling the people. And it goes on to say in verse 11, Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. If you love the Lord your God, you're going to serve the Lord your God. He says, or else. Always in the Old Testament, or else. Right? People think that God was just mean all the time. and it's, I don't believe that. I think he's got to love. Because he gives you the or else. And we know that in our own lives is when you serve God or you do the or else, what happens, right? It's not hard. I don't want the or else. I want what God has for me. And God's driven out the people out of my, uh, out of my life, he says. He says, or else, if indeed you go back and cling to the remnant of these nations. So there's that word cling. And he says the remnant of these nations. You can look at it any way you want, but the way I read that, it says even just a little piece of the fabric. You just hang on to a little piece of that old world, certain things are going to come upon you. 
It's not going to be good. That's what he says. And he's not saying, I don't love you. You're not my chosen people. He doesn't say that at all. He just says, choose. I've driven these people and I've proved to you time and time again how great I am. Now choose me. If you don't choose me, you're going to get what comes with the remnant of that land. Just a small fraction. You don't have to jump out of here today into some major issue, some huge problem, some major sin in your life to fall away. You just have to walk out the door and, and, and start gossiping or, or start slandering or, or, tar, or just something small and it piles on. It's all the same to me. It's all choosing to serve something besides God. Verse 13 says, Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That happens right here today in River City. There's tons of snares and there's tons of traps for us here today, isn't it? Joshua's talking to us. He says, follow God or follow the world. You choose. I love you either way, but one way you're going to have a great and, and, and heavenly life here on earth, you choose the other way, it's going to be hell for you. But either one you choose, I'm still here for you and I love you. So just come with me. Basically, Joshua was saying, when I read it, because I like to read it as a God of love, he's like, time and time again, God's pulled, pulled you out of this. Just look at the Old Testament. Time and time again, how God just pulled them from stuff. Now, they're in the wilderness, they're getting manna, and they're like, we'd just rather go back and have three squares a day and be in slavery. This stinks here. Like, think about that. They're free people. It's just not free how they wanted to be free. But you know what? God still took care of them. God still loved them. John, John 16, 8 through 9 says, And when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world, who is the unbeliever, of his sins. And he will convict the believer of God's righteousness. He'll tell you who you are. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He'll tell you who you are in Christ every time. And then he says in verse 9, The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. I see that back in Joshua. Their sin, if they go and back to the old ways... They're choosing not to believe in God at that particular moment in life. Does that make sense? We talk a lot about belief and unbelief, but I believe a lot of times that your unbelief isn't that you don't believe God. You know he's there. You don't believe that Jesus died and rose for you. Your unbelief is your actions towards doing something that isn't lined up with what God's word says. That's unbelief. You're having more belief in the things over here than you do in the things of God. That's what unbelief is. doesn't mean your heart's you're not going to heaven. doesn't mean you're, you've lost your salvation. I don't believe that. But you're just telling people by your, what you're doing, and you're telling yourself, if I choose to do this, I'm not believing in God's word because I'm going to do it my way. Eventually you'll get to a place where it doesn't work. It might work for a while. Pretty soon you run into a dead end, and you're like, what should I do now? And God's like, come on back. You got snares out there. You got traps out there. Over here, not so much. So when you find your foot in a trap or you find yourself in a pit, just turn back to God. I tell you that. We tell you that all the time here, I think. Turn back to God. He's a loving God. I just love how we confess Jesus. Confess the word. Confess the gospel. Confess the good news. Confess over yourself, this is who I am. Keep telling yourself that. In Romans uh, 8.37, it says this. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. Through, it says through Jesus who loved us. Overwhelming victory. It goes on to say in, that's in the New Living Translation, in the NIV version it says, we are more than conquerors. 
Look at those words. Overwhelming victory. More than conquerors. That's what's happened to you. It's not the first time you heard it from me. Sometimes we need to refresh your course. Because sometimes we just get, have a, we hear a word from God and we just get fired up. And we just go, go, go. And nothing's going to stop us. And then we get back in our daily routine and our daily lives. And, and we slow down and, and we find ourselves in a funk again. And we don't need anyone to tell us, you know what? What you're doing's wrong. You're living in sin. You're just, sometimes we, we need someone to come alongside us and say, hey, those things. But if we're going to tell people that, we need to tell them also the good news. This is what God's done for you. You know that. You can have your victory back. You're part of that winning team. So when you believe that Jesus is Lord and seek him, you'll be able to see in Scripture who you are and what happened to you and what you possess. Think about that. So what's happened to you? Maybe if you're here today and you're taking notes, maybe you just need to write on there today before you leave. What happened to me? And write it down. And don't write down all the bad things that have happened to you. Write down that one good thing that's happened to you. That I have a relationship with Christ. That he set me free. That he's given me his word. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. I have heaven on earth. Whatever you want to write down. Write down something good that's going to get you through the day and get you through tomorrow. As you know, when I, when I, when I read Romans 8.37, one thing it tells me is that I'm to focus on the victories in Christ. The victory. And what it tells me also is not to dwell on the losses. We all have losses in our life. Maybe some of you here today, they got little kids had a loss in the car. <laughs> and then you get here and you put your smile on and you drop the kids off or you, you come here with your husband or your wife and maybe it didn't go so good this morning, but that's okay. You get here and we start over. So I want you to concentrate on your victories and set aside the losses. And here's how I do it. I'll give you an example. As many of you know, I, I coach with the, with, with the Bulls hockey team in here town. And Two of the last three years, we've won the national championship. And people ask me, how's that? And I said, well, we won our last game of the year, which is our goal, and we're the national champions. And so all I remember is that last game. I'll be honest with you. And why is that? Because that's the game we won. And someone will come up to me, usually kids from different teams or something that I know, they'll be like, remember that time in January when you guys lost two games in a row? No. I don't. And why is that? Because we won the last game. I'm a national champion. I'm not going to dwell on January 3rd and January 4th. I'm not going to dwell on November 5th or whatever days it was that we happened to lose a game. And people say, well, that's a cocky attitude. And I'd say, no, that's a good attitude. It's the same thing in life. If people are always going to tell you about all your losses, you were this, you're no good, you're, you did this in your past, and you're like, well, that's not what God says about me. Even though your life has had many losses, maybe you've had losses even after you've been born again, don't focus on those. And here's one thing I, advice I can give you. We can learn from other people's losses too. I think the whole Old Testament and a lot of the New Testament, there's plenty of lessons to learn from other people's mistakes in there that you don't have to go through life making mistake after mistake after mistake and people keep telling you, well, you're going to learn from it, you're going to learn from it. I think you can. But there's plenty of people in your life in the natural, and there's plenty of people in the Bibles who you can learn from their mistakes. That's what Joshua's telling us. Don't turn back. Here's your chance to, to make a clean break for it. Don't turn back. So when people ask me, do you remember the time you lost in January? And I say, no, I just remember March 30th, the time we won. I just remember the time that I became a Christian. 
I remember a time that God downloaded in me his son. And I focus on those things. There's plenty of people who remind you of who you aren't. But you need to remind yourself of who you are all the time and what's happened to you. For in our lives, people will say this. Remember you when you used to be a knucklehead? I get this all the time when I talk to my buddies from college. Do you remember when you did this? Remember when you used to do that? I'm like, no, I don't. There's a part of me that does, but my spirit is saying, no, I don't. I've got to tell myself that. You've got to tell yourself that. And that's your mindset. You've got two mindsets when it comes out of Romans 8.37. Victory or victim. We've all been victims of something in our lives, but what do we choose to, to focus on? Do we want to have a victim mentality or do we want to have a victory mentality? I'm working on the victory mentality. That's, that's what I want. That's what I keep focusing on, the victory. And sometimes that victim mentality, it creeps up. And you've got to tell the victim mentality, that's not me. This is who I am. And so focus on, on the victory. Don't be a victim in the midst of your victory. It's amazing. I remember having guys on my hockey team where we'd win a championship, and we'd be over there cheering and yelling, and there'd be one guy like this. They're like, what's your problem? I didn't get enough ice time. This stinks. I'm like, dude, we just won we just won the championship. So don't be that victim in the midst of the victory. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Be part of the team. The team is victorious. That's what it says in Romans 8.37. If, you, if you're struggling today, go home and read eight, Romans 8.37 150 times today. Just tell yourself, this is what's happened to me. And when someone tells you, well, you know what, you've always been like this, you've always done that, you just say, you know what, this is what's happened to me. I have a new spirit. I'm not who you say I am. I'm who God says I am. That's whose I am. And he's the author, author and the finisher of your faith. That's who he is. He loves you. Ephesians, so I'm going to read you a few scriptures here that remind me and hopefully remind you of what's happened to you. We'll go through them fairly quickly. Ephesians 2.8 says this, and I got them hopefully on the sheet for you, and I got them on the, up, up on the wall there too. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. What a good one to start on, right? Other translations say you're God's workmanship. Other translations say you're God's handiwork. But I like the NLTs where it says a masterpiece because you know what? We all know what a masterpiece is. The Sistine Chapel or the Mona Lisa, those are people's masterpieces, right? It's amazing how the Sistine Chapel had to be painted. It just didn't appear. So who's the author of your masterpiece? It's Father God. He's painted you with the brush of grace and the brush of love, and he's created you something awesome. The Mona Lisa, it's a masterpiece. What is a masterpiece? I think it's an artist's best work, a great design, something that they've come up with that everyone's just like blown away by. They're like, whoa, that is amazing. That is a masterpiece. That's your signature piece of art. And that's how God sees each and every one of us. You are a signature piece of art. I always like to think about when I was a, when I became, walked into a life with Christ, and maybe some of you have this experience, is when you watch The Wizard of Oz, way back when, The Wizard of Oz, you know, and what happens in The Wizard of Oz is it's black and white, right? And all of a sudden it goes into color. I was like, whoa, that's, that's pretty awesome. And so that's kind of like how it is when you, when you walk into your life with Christ. It's like you're just living that mundane life, and all of a sudden 
You give your life to Christ and boom, it opens up. A whole new world. It's brighter. You have the opportunity. So you're God's masterpiece is what he says. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I, like, I circled the word now on that because it's now. You give your life to Christ and now there's no condemnation for you. Only other people can condemn you. God's not condemning you. Remember that. And it's now. You don't have to get better. You don't have to get fixed. It's now you have no condemnation. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, I have received the Spirit of God into my life and that I might know the things freely given to you. Two things. You've received the Spirit of God and God given to you freely. Isn't that great? You don't have to buy them. It's been bought and paid for on the cross, right? You've been given these things. So you've been given the Holy Spirit as a gift and now you can know the things of God. So your heart's been changed, your spirit, and then when that lines up with what God's word says about you, then your mind is going to start thinking things of God. So exactly what it says. You've been given those things freely by God. God has given to you himself. I wrote this down. I said, God's given me some stuff to deal with my stuff. And it's all in my born-again spirit. You ended up with God in you. Think about that. You ended up with God on the inside of you. The living God, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. I'm sure someone in here has been told that they're not very smart, they're stupid, you lack all these things. You just point them to say, Hey, you know what? 1 Corinthians 2.16 happened to me, and I have the mind of Christ. Now think about this. It would have been good enough if God just would have given me the mind of Pastor Jim. Think about that. That would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? But he went a little bit higher and gave me the mind of Christ. That's what I have. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and now I have the mind of Christ. So nobody can here can tell you anything different about who you are and what you can do in life. Whether you're 9 or 99 in this room, you still got a plan. And if you haven't followed one thing for God your whole life, today's a new day. Start fresh today. Say, you know what? I have the mind of Christ. I don't care what someone's been telling me for 100 years or 50 years or 20 years. I have the mind of Christ, and I can do all things through him. Ephesians 1.3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And get this part. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Might not look like it on the outside sometimes, but on the inside you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And God wants to do a mighty work in your life. I wrote down nothing missing and nothing broken. You've been given the whole package. You've been given everything by God. It's just how much is going to manifest in your life is how much you want to allow God to manifest in your life. And what I, mean, what I mean by that is how much do you want to follow God? How much word do you want to study? How much do you want to ask for him? You can ask every day to God, God, what do you want to do in my life today? Or you can go weeks and months and years without even talking to him. I'd say choose to have that relationship with him today. So if you've been persecuted, you've been abused, you've been used, you've been lied to, you possess every spiritual blessing of heaven. It's been downloaded in you. I like when my, I don't like it, when my computer sometimes acts up, it slows down, and we talk to Pastor Jason, he's the king of the computer around here, and he'll say to me, well, did you update your system? I say, no. He's like, well, update it, restart it. And he just goes back to his office, you know. You know, and then I update it, and I restart it. <sighs> Genius, right? That's what you need to do in your life. Update your system if you're not a Christian. And then every once in a while, you just got to reboot it. 
If you're down in a funk, you just keep telling yourself, this is who I am. This is who God says I am. Got to keep rebooting the system. John 16, says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He overwhelmed death. He overpowered the enemy. And he planted himself on the inside of you. That's what's happened to you. 2 Corinthians 1.21, I have been established, anointed, and sealed by the God in Christ. Now that verse is, that I took there is uh, kind of a combination of some different translations. And some different translations have the word established, others have anointed, and some have sealed. So I wrote all three of those down. I like sealed. You've been sealed. Have seen those commercials, or maybe you have one of those things where you can just vacuum pack your stuff and, and throw it in the freezer, right? That's kind of what God has done to us. He's sealed your spirit once and for all. And he says you're anointed. You're like, seriously, I'm anointed? Aren't just priests and pastors and real spiritual people anointed? No. We all have the same anointing and the same calling in our life from God, and that's to serve him. Some of us are called to be pastors. Others are called to be worship leaders. Others are called to be prayer ministers. But every one of us has been called to serve him. We're all anointed to follow him. That's amazing to me. Ephesians 1, 7 says, I have been redeemed. I have been forgiven. And my favorite part of the scripture, a recipient of his grace. Isn't that great? You're a recipient of God's grace. If I say, gave you a letter right now and said, you're a recipient of a million dollars, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? What does that mean? That means you received that. So I'm saying you're a recipient of God's grace. You've received that into you as a, as a Christian. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, I have been given the Holy Spirit as a pledge guaranteeing my inheritance to come. So God says, you have an inheritance. I know there's people in the world probably right now that are living way below their means. And they may have a rich mom or rich dad or rich uncle and they're just thinking, I'm, I'm being honest here, that they might be thinking, well, everything's going to be better when one of those people die and I get an inheritance. And they're just waiting around. And I'm thinking, that's, that's a crazy attitude to have because God says, I've given you an inheritance now and later. You get the inheritance of having heaven on earth. You allow this, have this relationship with me. And then you're going to have an inheritance later. It's just, it's all together. You get your inheritance now. And you live it out. And then when you die, you get to go to heaven. Live in your, in your inheritance right now. Live in what God has already done for you right now. Ephesians 2, 5 says, God made us alive. He's made you alive. So if you've been made alive, what does that mean? You were dead at one time. So come alive. I think, I think of the story of Lazarus where Jesus said, come forth. That's what God is saying to some of us today, even if you've been a believer for, for a long time. Come forth. Take off your grave clothes and live. It's exactly what he said to Lazarus. It's a great story for you and for me today. Come forth, people, he's telling us. Ephesians 2.18 and, and, and 3.12 say this, you've been given full access to God and you can approach him with boldness, freedom, and confidence. Full access. What does full access mean to you? If I was to invite you to the Twins game tomorrow up in Target Field and I said, I got full access. We're going to the Twins game. We're in there. We're going to be around everybody. And then when we got up there, I said, oh, by the way, our tickets are right here. And all we did was just stand outside with our backs against the wall and just lean up against there. You'd be like, this isn't even any access. And that's what I see a lot of times with Christians, that they have be given full access to the kingdom of God, but they never enter in. You just lean against the, the kingdom of heaven. You just kind of lean. You're like, I don't really want to go in there. 
or I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to enter. And I'm here to tell you, you're worthy enough to enter. If someone's been giving you access to something, you take advantage of it. You go. So if, I, if God has been giving you full access to his kingdom here on earth, take advantage of it, enter in, and enjoy what he does for you. And that allows you to open up your mouth and declare the kingdom of God over your life and over your family, over your ministry, over whatever. There's plenty of people, even yourself maybe, that declare so many things over our lives and over our families and over our kids that just don't line up with God's word. But you know what? We have the opportunity to open our mouth and from our born-again spirits declare the kingdom of God over your life, over your family, over your friends, over your ministry. We all got a ministry. Just think about what you do on a daily basis. It's a ministry. It's either a God-serving ministry or it's a ministry from somewhere else. But you have a ministry. You all have the opportunity. So approach life with boldness, freedom, and confidence. Colossians 1, 13, 14 says, God rescued us. This is the message. I love this. God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of heaven. He loves us so much. The son who got us out of the pit we were in. And he got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. God has set you up. Has anyone ever gone somewhere on vacation where you, someone it just says, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to set you up. I went to a, Cassie and I went on a vacation one time down to Florida with the friends of ours, and we stayed at his sister's place, and we got to the house, and I'm not kidding you, it was right on the ocean, and it looked like the Marriott. That was their house. And they said, this is your, this is your section of the house. And we went, it was bigger than our house. And we had this whole floor, bathroom, everything. And I was like, man, we've been set up. This is awesome. And that's what God has done. He has set you up in the kingdom of heaven today. He set you up. And he says, I've gotten you out of the pit that you were in. Now we dwell back in the pit. We jump back in the pit once in a while. But what God is saying, because of the cross of Christ and his resurrection, he's got you out of that. And when you do fall back in the pit, he says, I give you the opportunity to come out again. Don't stay in the pit. Come out of the pit. Like he told the people in Joshua, like Joshua said in Joshua 23, don't go back to the old. Most pits that we're in is because we've jumped in or we've waded back in or we've, we've slid back in, right? Sometimes maybe you just add a few things to your life and pretty soon you're like, how did I get here? And then you realize, ah, oh, I know how I got here. I took my eyes off of him. So see your situation as God sees it. He sees you as part of his family living in his kingdom. Don't see your situation there's too many people that have spoke negative words over you. That's not God's best for you. That's not how God sees you. Allow the, allow the Spirit to manifest in you. Two more. Colossians 2, 7 says you've been rooted and built up in Him. Your roots are in Christ, and that's where you build yourself up, in Him. Anything else is going to die off. 2 Timothy 1, 7-9. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And verse 9 says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. That's a mouthful there, but it's all awesome. You have a spirit of power now, who is the Holy Spirit. You have the spirit of love in you, which is agape love, which is God's love for you. And now, because of those two things, because you have the Holy Spirit and, you have, and, and God's agape love dwelling on the inside of you, you have a sound mind. You're not going to get a sound mind and then become a Christian and then and figure it all out. Come to Christ, be transformed, 
Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. He's going to work in you God's love, which is agape love. And then that sound mind is going to come forth. And then he goes on to say, call this with a holy calling. You have a calling on your life. It's not a, a lousy calling. It's a holy calling. Every one of us here today. The last thing I'm going to read this is I'll, I'll get ready to close is John 3 says this. You must be born again. I think it's John 3.3. 3. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do? And he says, you must be born again. He's like, how do I do that? How do I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? I'm already born. He says, no, no, you don't, have to be, you don't have to be born that way. You need to be born of the Spirit. And that's what it talks about being born again or salvation. And it goes on to say in Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. That's what it says. And it's from that, that, that belief and that confession is what allows us to jump into eternal life here today. It allows you to live in the kingdom today. It allows you, when people try to remind you of all your losses and all your, in, in your deficiencies, that you can say, that's not who I am. This is who I am. John 17:3, eternal life is to know God and his son who he sent. Amen? Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.